All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, we've got Scott Messer with the LEAF Group. How you doing, Scott? Oh, yeah. Good to see you, buddy. Good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. I like uh, I like what you what you're doing there <laughs> with, with the glasses and yeah the glasses <laughs> good look it's a good look yeah so uh, oh, sorry sorry guys I I just had my uh, my autoresponder on there for a minute <laughs> is that why yeah, you're you're really meetings yeah you're blowing yourself up now like now anytime you know people in your company are in there and they see you with the blue hoodie and glasses they're gonna be like he's not here I mean what uh, if I'm what if I'm wearing like a blue sweatshirt though? It could, it could be this guy. <laughs> this man came prepared. Well, I mean, yes. next level. Next level. Step, step into my Thunderdome. Yeah, there it is. So, I mean, I think that's a wrap. I mean, that was, that was pretty good right there. What else can we do on top of that? Episode three is done. Episode, we're done. Thank you, Scott. It was easy. Now, well, thank uh, you very much. Have a great day. <laughs> We're excited to have Scott on. Scott, uh, we've known each other for quite some time. One of the smartest guys in the biz. And uh, earlier this year, hey Scott Exotic. All um, evidence to the contrary. <laughs> Scott Exotic. Um, you know, Scott, you, you, you wrote a fun piece in the, just before January, uh, thinking about what 2020 would be. And obviously, so much has happened in 2020. Shocking. Uh, you got the pandemic though. That was, you missed the cookies, got the pandemic. It's crazy. I'm, I mean, I kind of called it at the end, right? <laughs> uh, for anybody who hasn't read it, it's called uh, on, uh, on Publishers and Ad Tech for 2020. So uh, check that out. But Scott, what are your thoughts on some of the things that you wrote about in there? Because clearly some stuff has changed, right? And so um, what, what, yeah, do not panic, right? So what are, what are your thoughts for, for, for publishers, ad tech, buyers, for, for everybody? I think the, you know, the big thing is that, is that this is still a temporary disruption that will have lasting effects and implications. Um, but people that are starting to pivot their businesses really hard or, you know, take their product roadmap in wildly different directions, you might be overcorrecting a little bit too soon. That doesn't mean that you know your your cost saving measures and those things. Those are absolutely essential and should go into effect. Um, but it's not time to fully panic yet. Ask yourself if your business is healthy. Is your website healthy? Is your relationship with your readers healthy? Um, and what do you define as healthy? Uh, I mean, not arbitrage, right? Let's start there. Um, you know, do you like um, was your, was your business running in a good way before? And if the answer is yes, and your traffic is maybe up or down a little bit, but your CPMs are off, then what are you really going to change? You know, like this, this will, this will pass or it won't, but assuming that it will, we just have to go with the idea that, that things are going to get back to something like normal. You guys were talking about it in your last happens ad ops of, um, you know, what you can do, and like sort of retool right now. I think that's a great idea. Um, I've, I've uh, cousins in North Dakota that are farmers and you know what they do during the winter? They take their tractors apart. They take every piece of equipment and they dismantle all of them and they clean everything and then they reassemble it. So it becomes like uh, That is a fantastic metaphor for what we should be doing. Amazing. 
It's out of control. I never thought I'd be looking to a Dakota to to answer my, but like <laughs> that's, awesome. that's it. They're they're wise in some places. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, um, there was a couple of really interesting parts shots to North Dakota. Uh, there there's uh, there, there was I thought some really interesting um, parts of, of of your piece, which still may actually be very true for the remainder of this year. Uh, one of them I, uh, I thought was interesting was uh, your, your comments and your thoughts on the golden era of, uh, of header bidding. What, what, what were your thoughts on that for those who haven't read? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, really the interesting thing is now is like header bidding is, is relatively ubiquitous. Um, I don't think you'll find a top 1000 Comscore publisher not running header bidding. Potentially maybe one or two that have some, some deep e-commerce strategies or like super direct uh, businesses. Um, but they are few and far between at this point. And then, you know, there's interesting conversations of like, what is an SSP, right? That's not the same as the difference between an SSP and an ad exchange. Let's, yeah. we don't need yeah. to start. Oh, I really, I really wanted one. to get started on this one, but it, yeah. No, we're not, we're not going there. But like, um, you know, what is an SSP versus the ad server? What is the value of an SSP? What is the value of header bidding? Um, and if all exchanges become ubiquitous and if SPO really has its way, um, you know, the, the need for redundancies goes down and differentiation becomes more difficult. So what do you do as an SSP or a wrapper or, or any of those sort of integrations um, to make yourself different and stand out and valuable in the chain? Is anyone doing anything to stand? Like, I'll give my answer first so you don't have to just go. It feels like no one is. It feels like everyone is like, hey, you know what we'll do? We'll provide you analytics. Now, granted, it's just going to be analytics about our stuff or like the things that we can see. And so that's not, you know, because you can't see addicts inventory, like any addicts reporting other than from addicts. So like, it's totally pointless. And we really don't know why we're doing this other than to say that we're doing a new thing. Is anyone actually providing, like taking the step to, provide value and not just provide a thing that they're claiming is value? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, there's some that are striking like uh, unique demand deals. Um, you've seen a couple. Are, are these uh, the, if, if these are the post auction discount deals, do we? They're not. Those? Oh, they're not. <laughs> like, do, they're not. We, are we going to consider those unique or like something we want? No, no. I mean, take a look at Index Exchange has uh, their Merkle deal. They've got um, Roundell. Uh, I'm sure Goodway Group, aside from their SPO things or whatever, like they've got some deals, you know, and, and people are, I think the, the trading desks are starting to pick their sides. Now it may be aligned with pads or SPOs or something, but we can get, we can get into this later. We'll call this foreshadowing. You know, they're, they're, they're picking their sides though, right? And so like whoever signs those up and like gets the deal on them, you get exclusive something and that makes a difference, right? So it might come down to what is the exclusivity on the buy side? Not which publishers you have exclusively, but which, you know, what, what are the trade side do you represent? What's, what's old is new again. This, is, this yeah. feels like ad networks 2.2. Dude, ad yeah. networks were like a, a heady day for ad ops people. <laughs> That, that that really separated the you know the young from the weak when you had to waterfall. <laughs> Head everything's like made it kind of easy. Listen, real interesting article in Exchange Wire about sort of you know the the ad network uh, sort of maybe uh, winning the decade. 
um, with, oh, with the, sort of the verticalized ad network one. Yeah, is that the one? So, um, but we'll have some folks on to talk about that. Uh, another Karen O'Kane's one of my favorites, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's, his, his tinfoil hat to the max, and he is super <laughs> smart and sharp. I dig There's, everything they're doing. I had breakfast with them right before coronavirus lockdown. Um, yeah. It was wild. He's a good dude. Yeah. That's great, man. Now love his stuff and and uh, and shouts to that crew there, man. But you know, it's it's interesting, you know, talking about SPO and and um, you know, like is I think there's different sort of ideas of what SPO is, right? So there's there's like SPO depending on who's talking about it, right? But you know, as guys who are are, are sort of living through and, and and operators living through that with our teams, and also seeing what's happening out in the space, um, it's amazing you know, how buyers are still sort of buying in, in all kinds of environments and, and, you know, choosing to continue down those paths, right? So there's- Vault selecting there's, all exchanges in their DSP, which is a shock, like- So there's an idea, there's an idea of SPO sort of really happening. And then there's also the, how the money ends up going through there, right? So they're sort of two different things. Uh, what what are some of your thoughts on that, Scott? And also you too, Ryan. Starting with Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, so first of all, we know that SPO only is is currently as advanced as exchange is is like DSP to exchange. That's as advanced as SPO is right now. Nobody's gotten to like the 10,000, 14 million connections or whatever it is. Like they haven't figured that out yet. They just say like. This thing to that thing is generally bad and we're going to turn all of those off. Um, so whether you're on AMP, mobile, desktop, America, international, like none of that's taken into consideration in SPO right now. So we're not, you're using sledgehammers and we're talking scalpels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be curious, like who's even, because again, SPO to my understanding, and I think O'Kelly commented on one of my tweets to say that this is why it was built back in the day of second parties when there were exchanges that were messing with a second uh, second price, when there were exchanges messing with a second price auction, SPO was built so they could figure out which exchanges those were. That was it. It was really just to cut out the bad actors in this second price auction system. And it has since turned into sort of the, the best path to spend your money. Um, but it doesn't mm-hmm. like, that's a tricky thing to define. And are you defining that? Like, are you defining well, how, how granular are you getting in that definition? Is it by pub? Like it's not by publisher to what? Scott yeah, they're they not. So yet. it's just exchange level, but like that there are such different integrations across publishers for each exchange. Like mm-hmm. it is very much sledgehammer. Like it's, yeah. it's a bunch of, smart people doing a dumb thing because they think it sounds smart. <laughs> I mean, their, their now, egos right and checks their body can't cash. I was, was going to say, are we talking about <laughs> the wall, the truth? What are we talking about here? So they, um, and, and, you know, it's like, it, it's novel of where they want to go and how far down they want to get into SPO. What the really interesting thing is like SPO only applies to open auction. Right? There is no SPO of private auctions. In fact, that would specifically be demand path optimization, correct there? You know, it's like, here is a cheap, effective private auction pipe. That's the most efficient way to buy my inventory to come through a private auction. 
I'm doing this again. I can't believe I, this might actually be a thing I do that I just realized because of this stupid Zoom. Um, <laughs> yeah, the timeout. I didn't know that. I didn't know I like I did that. We need um, a whistle. You need a whistle. <laughs> I need, all right. Back it up a bit. What is, what is demand path optimization? For those that have not read or have not heard or might be confused by other articles using DPO as an acronym, not that I'm speaking directly of one. Um, what, what is that? Yeah, Eric, you want to take it? You coined it. I'll let, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. Yeah. Like you it is. Um, demand path optimization is the practice of showing buyers the most efficient way to purchase your inventory. So the cheapest pipes. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, and best. I don't mean, I don't mean that in a negative way, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Cheap, less, you know, rev, rev share is really the big thing. When a, when a publisher takes their inventory to market, there's the publisher, the SSP, and then it's gone. And then, and then it's like out of our hands. The only thing that a publisher controls is that take rate, their rev share with the SSP. And then after that, who knows what happens to it? Ads.txt tries to like sort of limit that down, sellers.json and like everyone, you know, to keep the resellers from doing what they do. But that's all open auction stuff. Nobody's reselling a private auction. And so in demand path optimization, you say the best way for you to buy my inventory without a relationship is going through some open auction pipe. But if you want to be the most secure, come in through a private auction. Have you, because I've been talking about this idea. I, I stole the term, I believe, from another publisher. Uh, but uh, we've been trying to get people up on this idea of using uh, a deal ID, which has, tends to have a lower take rate, as an open auction tactic for a buyer. Are buyers catching on to that? Do they, like, when you're having conversations, like, do they understand what that yes. is? Because, and yes. does it, it, it feels almost like I'm telling them, hey, here's a way to do 10 times more work. Uh, is it, can it be as easy to them as setting up their open auction tactic? Or is it, is there still a degree of like extra work tax that it takes to there, set up these DLIDs? There's one extra step and that's when I, and you know, let me pretend to be a, a buy side trader. I don't know the, the trials and tribulations that they really go through. Um, but when you, when you want to run an open auction, you're just doing a mass retargeting campaign. You select 10 exchanges, you know, you'd be at, 10x times the internet, and then you just let your things run. But if you wanted to use, you know, our uh, our specific open auction, we call them zero dollar floor deals. You can take that one to the bank. Um, they have to click like that deal and include it, right? And so, are most buyers once they like? What I think the convert? open auction team and the private auction teams are so, sort of operate in different spheres still is that really still happening a little bit i mean some of them are like we're going to run campaigns through privates and then some are going through opens or at least i think a tactic like here's an open auction strategy and then here's our private strategy i don't think they get mixed into the same you know media plan necessarily there's a separate or same order or line item or like however they sort of break those out so it is an extra step but think about it you're getting it it's like going to the farmer's market and you're, you're getting fruit straight from the farmer. It didn't go through the distribution hub. It didn't go through any of that. That's yeah. what we're doing. But it is a little bit harder to go to the farmer's market. No, yeah. it is like I would, every, if there's any buyer listening to this, please ask Very every good. publisher about this because it makes so much more sense. Like you don't have to do anything special. 
it's coming straight from us. You know, there's not a degree of fraud in, in there that you may not know. Like there, and you get, you get more avocados bad like that. You, get, you get avocados all day. You, you get, get good you ones. Can, you can get, you get that avocado good toast and you can still you know, afford a house. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it feels like, I don't know, it, to me, I, now granted, I'm not a seller, but it feels like it's a very, it's a lot more difficult than it should be. Like I should just be giving away candy, but instead it feels like I have to convince people that not only is this candy, but like that they, you know, like it just, it, and, and when you, when you set these, they're easy to set up. I mean, you know, they're, it's a, it's a run of network pipe. It's got a low, super low floor. Um, there's no targeting in it. They can do whatever they want, but you're just like, yo, this is my inventory wholesale direct from the manufacturer. And you, there's no pretty simple concept, us. right. And, and it really effective though on the other end. Right. I mean, it's like, you want to avoid all the stuff that you pay extra people to detect, to block, to stop doing, to find, to do all that. Like, got it. You know, we can do that. Right. And like, and I know it sounds like it a makes lot it all of better. work for the bicep, but at the same time, like if you set up a hundred of these, you've covered yourself now. You don't need much of an open auction. It's a, it's a whitelist almost. Right. Yes. No, it's, it, it is a whitelist. And if a publisher doesn't like, it's almost like a, like a, a low pass filter where like if a publisher doesn't understand this or doesn't know to do this, I would be concerned about the team in the background of that publisher that doesn't understand what is being asked here. Um, yep. So let's talk, let's talk about like take rate and how that, how that affects and plays out. Right. So if a marketer puts in, you have, you have your, your publisher private pipe here and your open auction pipe here. All right, Google AdX open auction has a take rate of. I'm not dare saying. Standard, it's standard. And other pipes are less, right? So if a marketer puts a dollar into this jukebox and a dollar into this jukebox, when it comes through this one, it comes out as 85 cents, 90 cents. And when it comes through this one, it comes out as 80 cents. And those bids, that's the net bid that shows up in the publisher header, auction, wherever you want it, and you're competing on a net basis. So that's 85 versus 80 or 90 versus 80. And automatically the same dollar that goes in works harder and fights harder and gets better inventory and has higher win rates. And the publisher didn't do anything. They're literally just like, I don't know, I get the, you know, I get a little bit more money either way, but I really hope you do it through this efficient thing that I've given you. Yeah, absolutely. Like there isn't, there actually isn't a downside. I mean, the trade-off, like I know some publishers, if you haven't done it, I know like I've talked to yield people who are skeptical of this because it feels like you're undervaluing your deal IDs, but you're not because you're not really providing service. That's always what I explain. Like the difference between a good deal ID and what this is, is uh, there's no white glove service. Like I'm not doing anything for the buyer. I'm just simply saying like, here's my, here's my stuff. It's clean, you know, farmer's market versus grocer. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're a publisher and you don't do this currently, please do. Um, yeah. it's like, we want to make, we use it's, it all day. Yeah, we really do. I'm, I've stolen that now. Yeah, we use it yeah. all day, you know? Yeah. Um, we want to make those easy for them. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, I'm curious about what both of you think. I, I alluded to this when in our pre-call, but like, 
what do you think of, because these are coming up a lot and like I can game theory these out a million different ways and I can't see how they're a good thing, but I don't want to load the deck beforehand. Uh, SPO agreements, you're seeing them. You're seeing uh, exchanges sign deals with either uh, DSPs or with holding companies that are these SPO agreements. How, based on the definition of SPO we talked about 10 minutes ago, five minutes ago, in which you're simply trying to like get the best, how, how is that working for, like, for a publisher? And generally, uh, I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time when exchanges start engaging in these, they then ask publishers to sign an addendum to their agreement or a separate, there's some sort of transparency thing or a privacy thing that goes with it. If, if you're a publisher, do you want to, do you sign those? Are you on board for exchanges signing SBO agreements? Uh, depends whose pocket it comes out of. I think there's, there's two kinds of SPO agreements that, that we really see. Um, one is better than the other. I think there's mm -hmm. one really coming at like the, the kickback discount style. And, you know, that was like weird. Dude, like the auction settled. Have, does anyone make it clear which one they are? Like, uh, they like do. Every, they do. Really? No, people, people will say because the other kind is actually where the the ssp lowers their like they pay back the they give the discount out of their cut the more that that marketer the more that that trading desk spends so the publisher gets the same amount the same net amount the 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 cut is coming out of the ssp side and that's their marketing money that's their that's what they're paying to keep the demand flowing so, so i pay with so it's that really like a like a bulk rate deal so like it's publisher, really so layperson, uh, uh, contract idiot, me. Uh, what do I? What what key phrases should I look for that help me differentiate between the evil version and the not evil version? I'm using. Ask where where does the cut come from, and you know does this change my you know does this change the bids that are entered right? Like is this is this a post auction discount or a like where does where does the cut come out of? Well, that's and that's a, that's an entirely separate thing. This post auction discount. Uh, first, it's, no, this is the same thing. It's like where who whose pocket is this coming out of? But is that so? And it feels weird asking you this, but maybe you just have more intel than I do, and not maybe it sounds like you do. I got um, that. The for these SPO agreements, are some of them just purely we agree then to push post auction discounts on your behalf? Is that just like what that is? for the nobody nobody can push post auction discounts on your behalf no 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 sorry uh i exchange am going to push post auction discounts for you dsp or agency and like that's what the agreement is and then through that i make like that's where the cut is being made is that it's like de it's, definitely an agree it's, it's definitely it's definitely a process you a, a process you agree to right so it's if, like if, if i made a hundred dollars net through an ssp right and they competed against all my other auctions I expect that check to be for a hundred dollars. Me too. That's why it doesn't make any sense and, why a publisher would sign or agree in the, to these. In the, in, the, in the good kind, that cut is coming out of the SSP's share, right? Because if it was a 10% thing, then you made 110 or 109, whatever that math, 111 and that math works out, right? So they get $11, I get a hundred bucks, right? But they're saying in this SPO, you know, grease wheel thing, I'm going to take seven and you're still getting a hundred and that other. Right. Because, because, you know, agency or whatever has agreed to 
minimal volume bad. of whatever. So exactly. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to name the bad players. Who's, who's doing this right then? Uh, there's a couple out there. I've heard them. And, and yeah. I was going to, I was going to pause real quick and do like a quick timeout too, because I think also the, the idea of, yeah, this is like, Ooh, this is it. Right. So, uh, you know, when, when you think about the, the agreements we're talking about, um, you know, it also depends on like the, the type of publisher you really are. Right. So that also dictates the sort of terms around these sorts of things. So one kind of win looks one way for someone and another kind of win looks different if you're a different type of publisher. So there are two different types of publisher of, yeah. of the, the quality publisher. There are two different types. There's a scale play and there's a quality. Like there's someone that has to play on a premium, which is what I do. My mm. play is premium. And then there's someone that plays on scale and reach. Uh, if you're a real, real lucky, you can maybe find sort of the middle of that Venn diagram where you're like a verticalized publisher that has decent scale. Uh, but otherwise, I think you're playing one or the other. Like general news publishers are gonna be trying to play the premium in some way, shape or form, unless you're like a general news publisher whose average article is less than 250 words. Then you're- Right, but I mean, if we also think outside of, of that too, you know, lifestyle publishers, right? Arts and entertainment, right? You know, so, so it's like, it's, it's different. The win is different that you take away from the type of structured deal, right? So back to like what you guys were talking about, but remember there's like 2 million websites out there. Right. That's like, what Eric, know, Eric's always talking you know, for the, the, no, it's, it's good yeah. because this I'm, is the perspective, I'm, right? Like, you know, you've got a hundred year old brand, you know what I mean? It's got both print, it's got events, it's got a great uh, web presence. But the reality is most of, yeah, the 163, which is even more amazing. Right. But the majority of the web, the other 1.9 million, right. Is yeah. actually sites that have great audiences are extremely loyal. You know, it, who, who, who are we to say like why a user spends time there and it's not always clickbait and it's not always because they don't know that they ended up there, right? It's like, you know, you think about like why a user goes somewhere and spends six minutes on a site that has a, you know, a URL that you barely recognize, right? It's like, it's amazing, right? I mean, so, but mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. I think the, 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 the win can look one way for, uh, you know, top 500, top, you know, uh, 250 and then, you know, go 1,000, 2,500 out, right? I mean, zoom out like that. I mean, you'd be surprised with the URLs that are, that are there that have good audiences. So a win looks different. They're actually within the framework that you just described. Cause like what, what? you're saying, like Scott and, and, and uh, Ryan, like the, the agreement to do this type of, Hey, you're going to end up with something kind of the wind looks different for, for, uh, is that, I, I legit, this is, and we're having this conversation live. Um, I love it. Is it different? Like, I feel, I feel like good practices are good regardless. Like I, you know, and there are companies that need fill. Like this is just when, when I say, you know, scale versus quality or premium, it's just like those that are looking for fill versus those that are looking for CPM. And like, that's kind of the balance that every publisher is making. It's or, or, but like, you know, what, what if you're, what if your company is never going to have a sales force, right? I think what if it's, yeah, it's about direct, have, uh, it's the reserve yeah. versus non-reserved. It's not premium or not. It's like, how yeah, or, or, it's insertion order basis. or if it's insertion yeah. order versus like not a legacy insertion order, right? You know what I mean? It's not reserved. Yeah. yeah it's but, like, yeah, but even, yeah. Even then, it feels like there are some that, yes, yes, generally speaking, if you have a sales team, but like there are plenty of 
sales team types that are purely scale um, still. Like I think they're becoming less and less frequent, but I can name a few off the top of my head that are still that. But then like there's, there's still a premium play to be made for a purely programmatic publisher. That sure. is a hell of an alliteration. Uh, but <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I also think like this is where it's great to zoom out, right? And so step outside of the publisher and supply position. We're all always sort of you know, thinking about day in and day out about, we think about the buyers, right? And we think about our buy side partners and even the folks controlling the money. So when we think about where they're like thinking about pouring most of their money into, you got to figure out a way to sort of play ball that way, right? And for the most part, it's not going to be doing it through uh, a, a person one-to-one sort of thing. Because remember, one-to-one is one-to-one. And, and the way we're talking about is like, can still be one-to-one, but serve one-to a lot. You know, well, and, and, so and that's, what that's the, a lot That's of a good question. How do you do this DPO deal? How do you do these DPL deals, the like zero floor, but still through DLID without a sales force? Because like, yeah, so, let's say I'm an ad ops person yeah. at a Comscore 2000 company or whatever, like sub, you know. Well, that's uh, why, yeah, I mean, that's why you give Scott or me a holler or, you know what I mean? Work <laughs> with somebody. Well, you know, you work with somebody reputable that can help you do that, right? And that's an interesting thing that I think is, uh, is really important on the web. You know, th- this, this term of like a intermediary or someone who helps manage that process has been there since the beginning. You know what I mean? Has literally been there since the late 90s. The problem is that a lot of the space has gotten muddied with like Scott earlier on, you were saying like now sort of header bidding is kind of like table stakes. A lot of people know how to do it, right? There was a part, there was a, a time where it was like 20% of the web, 10% of the web. We were guys who were doing it early on, right? And then you saw it turn to 60% to like 80%. So what you have to do to really do the right thing and help a publisher has to be on these layers just above that and more, right? And By the so way, I appreciate the uh, subtle art of nonverbal communication Scott is giving us here. <laughs> Like, <laughs> the greatest. He's a, he's a people person. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, like it's, it's, that's where, you know, you have to, you have to find folks that can help you do that. And it's becoming harder and harder, you know, for buyers to understand who, who those people are. Right. Which is why you see, you know, resellers getting uh, you know, a bad rap or why you see uh, folks who are just like, if I don't know who you are, then I really don't know if, if I want to work with you or not, you know, but that's where we were saying like for folks who don't have a sales team like that or don't have experienced operators, you gotta, you gotta work with somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, you need like, you're like ad tech yogis. <laughs> you sit, I, up, sit up on a mountain and <laughs> well, and how do you differentiate? Like, I, I feel confident that I could probably start to differentiate now, but it's only because I've been doing this for as long as I have. Let's say you're a publisher of a local or a midsize or a regional publisher that, gets quality audience, gets people for that six minutes. Like, how do I differentiate between you, Scott, or you, Eric, and shady huckster who can say all the same words and has a slick PowerPoint? Like, how do I tell? Or fancy looking website. You know what I mean? Like, just has like... Money talks. Yeah, money talks. And and also, I think this is also where I think it's interesting. Um, Credentials are going to matter more moving forward, Right. So it, it, it's like, you know, there, there are people that you're going to want to work with because the, the, they're established, they, they've done these things before and they're, and they're tackling some of the, some of the new stuff that, that's happening, right? So ad tech 2.0 is coming, right? 
So we're looking at ID consortiums, we're looking at the cookie crumbling and all that. And if so somebody's just promising you a little bit of lift, promising you fill rate, right? Promising you a little bit more CPM, promising you all this like weird stuff, because it's happening, right? Like there's all these people that just basically like dangling this weird thing in front of you. You're gonna have to start working with people with credentials, you know? So I feel like I walked into the sales pitch for you too. Didn't mean to. I'm generally I'm, not for this. I'm, I'm against I'm, I'm this. Happily, I'm happily employed by, by my company and we're, uh, you know, this is, this is the, what we look at and we train and, and I think you as a publisher, when you're, when you're trying to bring somebody on, um, you know, definitely start slow with somebody and get them in a, in a, in a, in a if you're going into a consulting thing, start with like a little bit of work and see if you just like working with them, right? See how much transparency you get. You know, are they, do you have to be taught certain things? That may be something that is a great question. Eric, you might appreciate this. You know, someone coming to you and saying like, look, I know where I want to be. I don't know how to get there. But I also don't know where I am right now. Can you please like teach me everything I need to know so that I understand the conversation we're about to have for an hour, right? Like some people aren't even that close um, and they really need those, those educations. And so start, start slow get into that. Um, and then, uh, read everything and like try to become an expert. You know, this was, this was going to be my, my final question for you, which is just like, all right, I want to take someone from like 101 to 201. What, how do you do it? What are you recommending? What are you either reading? What are you trying? Like what, how do yeah. I, how do I get to a JV level understanding from someone that doesn't know squat? Um, start your own. If, if you, if you can't play with your actual websites, start your own, set up DFP on that and like try to connect the pipes, right? Like get in an environment where if you break it, it doesn't matter. Um, get into the, the online trainings. I know you guys talked about like trade desk got some IEB has theirs for what those are. Um, you know, ask around in the publisher groups. Like I'm sure Beeler would love to host another programmatic 101. Like I write programmatic 101 decks literally once a year. Um, and I think everybody does, uh, they're out there. You know, what's interesting, Scott, uh, to that point too, and, and Ryan with your question, you'd be amazed with like great media brands, great publishing brands, great websites, like internally, they have to do these kinds of things. Right, so this is not like an external problem with like sites who are outside of the ComScore 1000, right? Even within the walls of great organizations that are killing it and end up in all the trade pubs, they have to go through this process, just like Scott described, like once a year, or imagine the complexities that are coming with like, when you're, you just mentioned JV, I mean, somebody's gonna have to go to varsity like big time and actually go pro level, right? Cookie crumbles, 24 months, 18 months probably, right? We have no idea what's coming. But there are folks who are just trying to figure out what was going on four years ago, let alone like how are you going to figure out how to make money Yeah, when, when things really change. And that, and that, is, not, that is not specific to um, sites that have sales forces and don't, you know? Yeah. What's also really neat is to look at brands that have started in the last like two years um, they don't know what a waterfall is. Like they, they're just starting where like header bidding is like, okay, so that's where we start. Now what, you know, so, yeah. um, you don't need to have like the whole history of it. Just start wherever you are and learn about it, push some levers, do, you know, do some things like the worst you do is 
because you'd change it tomorrow. I always say, like, push all the buttons. You can't break it. That, Until it breaks. <laughs> that's the perfect end. We're gonna, that's, that's how we're going to wrap this. I think push a bunch of buttons. Uh, see if you break it. Uh, <laughs> or wait, you can't call break Ryan, it. Call Ryan when it's broken. <laughs> no, call one of you two. You got Whoa! <laughs> call him. Uh, this is my brother. This guy can be yeah. in two places at once. I, yeah. He's good. He's all right. He's, he just like comes in here every now and then. You have somebody to bring you coffee. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little late. You see, he had an Initech well, mug. Definitely a wrap. Uh, Ryan and I are out of beers, so we're out of drinks. So That's, this is it. Everybody, thanks, all thanks right, for Scott. joining us. Thank you. Very cool, much. you guys. Thank be you, good. Scott's brother. Thank you very much. It was fun being on here. <laughs> it was Absolutely. great. Appreciate Thank it, guys. You.